Welcome to another episode of Don't Give Up Skeleton. I'm your host, Jeremy Greer. This week's guest is John S. John is an extremely nice and affable dude who has played a lot of the Souls games, and we go into each and every one. He also had this terrifying experience uh, that made him bond with Dark Souls 1, and I don't want to spoil it, although if you've read You Died, you may already know about it. Uh, the book written by Jason Kidlinsworth and Keza McDonald. Um, so, anyway, I'm rambling now. Please enjoy this episode. I think I emailed you originally um, when I first, I, I think it was Jason Killingsworth tweeted something out. Yeah, okay. Um, you've had him on, right? I have. Yeah, I think he tweeted something out, and I'm like, oh, cool. I'll, uh, I'll listen to this and really like the format and the kind of just open-ended uh, discussions. Um, and yeah, it just kind of went from there. I'm like, oh man, this is cool. I should reach out to Jeremy and um, tell him I appreciate the, the cool thing he's doing. Yeah, that was November 2017, so not quite two years ago. <laughs> but we're getting close. Um, how did you like? How did you come to be following Jason Killingsworth? Um, I believe that was through the book, the You Died book, um, okay. that he and Keza had written, um, and um, I think he did. He did some of the art, and he co-wrote co-wrote the book with Keza. Um, so when they were taking submissions for, you know, personal stories around Dark Souls and that kind of thing, um, that's when I submitted mine from the medical event, which I'm sure we'll get into, um, coming after that and, uh, just started following him and, and learning about his history. I had already been a follower of Keza's for quite a while. She's just a fantastic writer, um, and journalist in the industry. So, um, that was just kind of a natural fit to see, um, people in the industry that are so passionate about souls games. Yeah. They're both, um, extremely intelligent people, <clears throat> really, really nice people too. I'm sure it, it's, um, I'm, I'm very happy that Kez has found a lot of success. Like she's the gaming editor of the Guardian. Oh my or gosh. Whatever. She's and, like uh, the best journalist in the world. In <laughs> but I, but I'm also, games, yeah. but it also means that, uh, she doesn't have time to do this podcast. So I'm really, sure, really mad. Sure. <laughs> yeah. And I think she's got uh, a little one at home too. So. Oh yeah. 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 Definitely. And, and, and you know, I, I make jokes. I haven't, I don't even think I've asked her to be on the show. So yeah, I'm just, I'm just too into even, too intimidated to do that yeah um, what was the medical story that you wrote into you died yeah so um about four years ago uh this would have been july of 2015 um i was up north uh i'm from northern indiana originally about uh near the south bend area um right on the michigan line and um, i was up north with my wife um at my parents lake house for the weekend um just eating dinner um, I don't have any recollection of this happening, so forget, forgive me if this is a little foggy, but, um, all of a sudden just went into a whole bunch of convulsions and, uh, seizures, and then my heart stopped for literally no reason at all that, uh, we could think of. I had been a pretty healthy person all my life. I had always played sports and, uh, maintained a relative level of fitness. Um, college obviously changed that, and, a little bit more of a sedentary lifestyle post-college, just kind of getting into the normal humdrum work routine. But, um, yeah, so I went into what's called sudden cardiac death, um, which is synonymous with uh, sudden cardiac arrest. Um, 
which means it's, it's it differs a little bit from a heart attack. A heart attack usually means there's some type of blockage in your um, um, vein system. Um, I don't know the specific medical terms, but uh, um, heart attacks can sometimes lead to cardiac arrest, which just means your heart just dies. Um, and that's what happened to me. Um, turns out the culprit for it was something called a left bundle branch blockage, which is a bit of a tongue twister, but... Um, it basically means that there is an electrical misfire between um, the communication lines between my brain and my heart muscle. So um, my heart just basically exploded. Um, Jeez, I, I, it's this the is best terrifying. way to talk about it is it's, it, no, it's not the best way to talk about it is with a sarcastic attitude because like it's it's it, it's the number one killer in like everything. Don't quote me on that, but um, everyone dies of cardiac arrest. Like at some point, your heart stops and you die. So. Um, but the problem is when it happens suddenly without uh, any symptoms like this, you really only have like a 10% um, chance of survival um, if it happens outside of a medical facility, um, which is what happened to me. And um, an even smaller percentage of people have uh, no repercussions of like serious brain issues with uh, the lack of oxygen to the brain. But um Thankfully, my, my wife is an occupational therapist, and uh, I've got, I had other family members there that knew CPR that were able to uh, keep me relatively um, alive, so to speak, um, until paramedics came and kind of hauled my fat ass down a flight of stairs uh, in their condo and took me to a local hospital um, where I was put in a medically induced coma. And um, it got to the point where... Uh, they did something pretty experimental for a small hospital. They, it's called uh, hypothermic uh, therapy, where they basically wrap me around in this giant, like, air mattress, I guess, with cold water to keep my body temperature super low. Um, that reduces stress on the heart and alleviates uh, long-term brain damage, I guess. Um, again, I don't <laughs> remember any of this, but I woke up about uh, 10 days later, I guess, um, just kind of, you know, what the hell's going on? Where, where am I? Like, what's what's going on? And slowly uh, began to um, have everything explained to me. Um, I was intubated as well, and because I had pneumonia, I developed pneumonia while I was in my uh, coma, I guess. Which turns out was like the real um, scary part of this all, uh, this whole event. Um, so I had to constantly get the, I don't know if you've ever seen anyone be intubated, but, yes. um, mm-hmm. basically just a long tube down the throat. And mm-hmm. a lot of the times they have to suction out fluid from lungs and, uh, your breathing path, which is just like the most awful sound, um, imaginable. It's basically like all the bloodborne sounds just put together on like a soundtrack. <laughs> That's what, uh, having fluid sucked out of your intubation tube sounds like. It's super um, gross. Yeah. I've, I've been, I've, yeah, I've been through it's, that. It's, it's, it's yeah, it's it's awful. Um, but yeah, I woke up, I woke up from that. Um, stayed in the ICU for a um, couple more days, um, and then was taken to a, a, a larger hospital in my hometown, Indianapolis, where I uh, had a defibrillator put in my chest. And um, after that, I uh, left the hospital just a couple days after um, that surgery for implanting the defibrillator. And um, was kind of bedridden for about a month, and that was just awful. Um, I'm one of those people that gets 
a lot of anxiety or something like fear of missing out, I guess you call it. Like if you, if I stay home sick from school as like a little kid or like if I'm missing out at work. So this was just like a month long experience of that coupled with like almost dying and trying to understand, you know, what the hell do I do with my life um, kind of thing. So that uh, just kind of snowballed into a big old bout of uh, depression there. And um, it took me a while to just kind of normalize myself. And uh, Dark Souls was definitely a, a culprit in helping with that. So um, I mentioned in that uh, interview with when Keza interviewed me that I think I was, um, I, my sleep schedule was just so screwed up during that time. So I'd be up until like six in the morning and then sleep until like 5 p.m. or something like that. And so I was just trying to do anything and everything to occupy my time and uh, came across like a super uh, um, low view count Twitch channel. And a guy was playing a blind run through of Dark Souls. So I was like, oh, cool. Um, maybe this will like catch my fancy. And he was somewhere. I think he had just rang the first bell. Um, which is like a great time to watch. Start watching someone uh, oh, yeah, first yeah. run through because they go through the depths, do the uh, uh, Capra Demon, and and then end up in Blight Town. So stayed with him for quite a bit. I forget his name. I wish I could find out through some type of like view history on Twitch. But um, anyway, so that motivated me enough the next day to just pop in Dark Souls. I hadn't really wanted to play any games for a while. Um, and, uh, yeah, from there, it was just a matter of, okay, let's look at all my characters while I've put in a lot of time in this game at that point. So this was, like, four years after the game came out, and I think I'd already had, like, seven or 800 hours in um, just through a smorgasbord of different characters and failed experiments. So I was like, oh, I'll just start, like, a blind playthrough. Ended up getting, like, pretty far that first day. But it was just awesome to have some type of normalization to where I could feel like I wasn't just like a piece of shit, <laughs> like um, contributing nothing to life or, or anything else. So I could get mad at um, a mob of enemies coming at my Dark Souls character rather than um, thinking about my heart exploding. Man, um, number one, that's terrifying. Like that, that whole experience, <laughs> like I'm just like you mentioned, you, you just kind of like casually ran over like 10 days in a coma, basically in a hospital and like, yeah, just just picturing like your your family, like what the hell is going on? Like that has to be exactly. terrifying. Um, and if you could if you could back up for me for just a minute, sure. uh, you would you would before this this episode, you had already been playing Dark Souls, or that was something that you because I, I couldn't quite understand. So you saw the guy oh, play, sure. doing the blind playthrough, and then yeah, yeah, yeah. That's when you so picked it up. I, um, yeah, I originally got into Demon Souls um, my senior year of college. Uh, that would have been two thousand eight or nine, whenever that game came out. Um, I saw, like, it was one of the first English trailers for it. Um, I think Keza even might have done that um, through GameSpot or whatever company she was with at the time. And um, I had not played games for probably four or five years before that. Um, I think, like, the last big game I had played was, like, Shadow of the Colossus or something in high school. And basically throughout college, I just kind of uh, didn't really do anything uh, video game oriented and saw this i'm like holy shit this looks different than anything i have seen in a long time um so i immediately picked that up and uh just fell in love with it um from then on out and then dark souls was kind of the um uh, culmination of of everything i loved about demon souls and all these other games like 
um, first thing about Demon Souls. Sorry, I'm rambling. But no, no, um, no, no, no. This, that's what this podcast is for. I, so go right yeah, ahead. That I noticed was um, if you remember Ocarina of Time, they had that big, uh, the big thing there was the Z targeting system, um, for which was pretty revolutionary for the time. Mm-hmm. Um, just trying to orient your character in like a 3D space and focusing on one enemy. And I always thought the fights with the the skeleton dudes, I think they're called like Stalfos, um, felt so cool because it was like a real sword and shield one-on-one kind of fight. And then Demon Souls took that to, to the next level and um, it was such a wow moment for me. Yeah, Demon Souls is... Uh, I wish I'd played Demon Souls first sometimes because it's, yeah. it's one of those things where I'd... Um, I, I played Dark first, and then went back to Demon Souls. But that that progression through the series that and I'm, I'm a big my my opinion has has changed over time. But like the the Souls trilogy to me will always be Demons, Dark, and Bloodborne. Sure. As, as much sure. as I like Dark Two and Dark Three, like it really feels like those are the ones that they there's a clear path of progression through those. Um, oh, absolutely. So yeah, have, going kind of coming into it in the middle is kind of like coming into the middle of the Star Wars trilogy. You're like, oh, this is good. What's going yeah. on? Uh, <laughs> what exactly? Empire's is... great. What's next? Uh, yeah. Phantom Menace. <laughs> so uh, after this episode that you have, you see somebody playing Dark Souls and you pick it up and you were kind of in this funk. Um, you mentioned like having 400 hours. Was this just kind of what you were doing while you were recuperating? Like this was that Dark Souls was basically your life at this point. Um, I wouldn't call it my life, but Not it was just life, a way yeah. for, uh, yeah, I, I know what you're getting at, but, um, it, it was just a way to kind of have some type of escape from just the normal anxiety. Like I couldn't do anything. I, uh, muscles were actually pretty atrophied from not like moving for a while. So my, uh, knees were super sore, so I couldn't walk. Cause like walking was felt like the best thing ever to me because it was, um, uh, symbolic of not being in a hospital bed to me, I guess, which, um, uh, was super helpful to be able to exercise and actually just move around a little bit. But um, when I couldn't do that, um, yeah, it was playing this game and um, obviously spending time with my wife and, and everything else was great. But this was just a great way to have some tactile feedback and um, uh, just just a mindless kind of escape. You know, I've I've talked to a lot of people that use or not use, but Dark Souls came into their lives at a point where they they had a lot of time or they were recuperating from something or they were trying to sure. escape something or what have you. And it's it's a very easy game to get lost in uh, because you can literally get lost in it, not only from a story progression standpoint, but also just from like, where the hell am I? Where do I go next? How many moments of that did you have? Like when as you were playing that first playthrough where you look around and go in like, where the fuck am I? Like, what am I doing? <laughs> Oh, yeah. Well, I think the um, going back to Demons, the, the first I had just struggled around in that first 1-1 area in Boletaria being like, this is a weird game. <laughs> but I, I dig the combat. I like the kind of patient progression style with it. And then once I finally got past that bridge and saw the Tower Knight and that dude drop his shield, that was like, whoa, this is this is something uh, this is something pretty crazy. And it was kind of before the time where uh, we figured out, okay, for giant enemies, you just kind of run around the back and stab it. Um, so figuring out how to beat the Tower Knight was great. And then same thing with Dark Souls is um, gameplay first, you know, is is what caught my eye and all the different progression and um, 
mechanics with different weapons and different character customization type things is great. I always love games that um, you can see like actual progress. So like thinking back to old RPGs like Final Fantasy One or even something like weird like Zelda Two, you could I was I was always like, Okay, I can beat this enemy in three hits. If I level up a little bit more I can beat this enemy in one hit. That's super satisfying. And then Dark Souls takes that to the umpteenth degree (laughs) but um yeah to your point there's always like the environmental storytelling the different npcs and and thing it's it's just it's crazy how many different um things can draw someone in from different gaming backgrounds it 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 really is did you struggle at all with like you because you mentioned you would have been out of video games for a while but like shadow of the colossus you know to demon souls or to dark souls is a pretty pretty huge jump in terms of what you the player is expected to do and handle on screen did you did you struggle with that at all oh yeah it was awful um (laughs) (laughs) yeah i i think it the first uh the first area i don't think i struggled that much with the first area in the phalanx demon or whatever it was called um it was that next bridge area because i was under the impression that okay i have to do all of the first world first and then all of the second world first. I, I try to play these games as, as blindly as possible without um, looking anything up on wikis. But yeah, that second bridge part where the uh, the Hellkite dragon or whatever shoots flames down you. And it's just, once you make it to the bridge, you're like, all right, I did something. And then you fight like two blue-eyed phantoms. Then you go into the boss fight. And it's like, <laughs> shit, this is a gauntlet. <laughs> it's It's... It is a gauntlet, absolutely. Um, when do you think that you like? Because I, f- I feel like there's a there's a curve to this where you start out and you you have trouble with those blue eyed knights, or you have trouble with you know enemies, and then you come back around and you're like, okay, now I have this. Like, when was that moment for you? Do you remember? Oh man, I, it was probably after I beat the flame lurker mm-hmm. in um, what's that Stonefang Tunnel? Yep. Um, yeah, where I just kind of okay at some point you just kind of figure out the mechanics of a game and everyone talks about, you know, Oh, dark souls, those games are so hard, which they're definitely challenging. They're, they're very difficult video games, but it's not like a bullet hell, um, like shoot them up where you have to have like insane quick reflexes or something. I, I would compare it more to like a, an old mega man game where you just kind of have to approach things a little differently and more patiently to kind of understand, okay, this is what the developer has laid out. Um, and this is how he wants, or he or she, whoever developing the game, wants uh, the player to approach this game. So enemies move this way, you are limited in this way, and then it's kind of figuring out what the constraints of your character are and then trying to come up with a strategy and how to and how to beat it. Um, but yeah, it's um, when it finally clicks, I was, I was like, oh man, I am in love with this. So um, yeah. After after spending so much time in, in Dark Souls during this kind of recuperation period, can you can you stand to look at the game? Like I know there's been times in my life where I um the, the example that comes to mind is I played a lot of like Dragon Quest Eight for some reason. <laughs> I don't know sure. what it was about that game, but like <laughs> you know eight hours a day on Saturdays and Sundays, and any time I could get to it on weekdays. And now when I think about playing that game ever again, I'm like, nope, never gonna never gonna touch it. Like I just have yeah. weird associations with it. Do you have any of those kind of associations since it was tied to this traumatic point in your life? Not really. Um, I I think I've played through it like one or two times. I I played through it on PC 
like a year ago. Um, of course, I bought it on PC for like 30 bucks right before the remastered version was announced and, and everything. But, um, yeah, I, I didn't, I don't really think I have any negative connotations toward it. Um, uh, I definitely like other, other things about that time, but I don't, I don't know if, I think it's more of a fondness or almost like a nostalgic, um, thing to kind of reminisce like, Oh, that was the, I remember what my mindset was going through the bed of chaos for the 3,000th <laughs> time getting my ass kicked with that. So it's almost like comfort food in, in that way. Did your, uh, did your wife watch you play at all? Um, yes and no. Um, so uh, it's weird. Um, all of the Souls games have come around in like different um, points in my life. So Demon Souls came out when we had first started dating. So I remember waking up like super early on Friday or Saturday mornings while she was still sleeping playing Demon Souls. And like she's not much of a, a gamer by any means. And having seeing her patience when I'm like, okay, so then you go, you kill the dragon, you get this bow, you have to get these certain gemstones to upgrade the weapons. So her patience through all of it has been uh, has been great. But uh, she really likes the character uh, animations that you can wave and sit down and bow and all that stuff. But yeah, um, I think she she understands this is this is kind of my thing. She has her uh, reality TV, and I have my Souls games. Sure, yeah. <clears throat> it's, the, <laughs> it's it's nice having that kind of dividing line in a relationship. Not a dividing line, but like a different yeah. interest so that, you know, hey, you can go do your thing, and you, I'll go do my thing, and then we'll come back together, and then we'll talk about our things with each other. Exactly. Yeah. Where did you, I mean, after after that, like, was what was kind of the ending point of that of that enormous dark souls time period did you just finally like kind of get to a point where you were you were feeling healthy you were feeling better and you were like okay i'm gonna go back out into the world i'm gonna put video games down for a while or did it just be like did another game come along and kind of steal you away what, what happened? yeah kind of um so i went back to work at a job i just hated and was planning on leaving before this all had happened and uh uh so once i was back just getting in a normal routine it was kind of helpful just to get in like a little bit of like a normalcy kind of thing. It took a while, but um, I don't know. Um, I, I had I had bought Bloodborne at purchase uh, when it was released shortly before all this happened. Um, so then I went back and eventually went back and, and finished that. Um, and I had already beaten. I, I think I, I think I've played and completed all of them in sequential order um, at the time they've been released. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think I really touched it. It took a while to kind of get back to really anything video game wise. Um, after I just kind of gotten back to work, there's still all kinds of, uh, medical bills and fun stuff to deal with in this stupid country's healthcare system. Oh, I, can, <laughs> I can only imagine yeah. what, that, what that had been like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that wasn't fun, but, um, it was, it was, it was nice though to have like the normal, okay, get home from a work on a Friday, um, you know, do your thing, go out to dinner or whatnot, then just kind of sit down and um, play games on a Friday night. So that was that was great to kind of get back in the routine of. Well, tell me about uh, if you played them in sequential order. I guess the next game we need to go to is Dark Souls Two. Yeah, and tell, so tell me about enough, your experiences that, there. Yeah, so that came out um, <clears throat> the week after I had gotten married to my wife. So um, we got back from our honeymoon, and I had the big dumb. Uh, collector's edition of dark souls 2 waiting for me with and, the jo- with um, the big statue guy and everything yep yep yep, yep. Cool. and i think um at some point 
in your life, you have to you have to kind of think about: Do I want to be a guy with statues on a shelf? So I kind of toe that line a little bit. Um, so it's the only like major collectors like edition I have, but I do have I have that uh, green butt plug edition of the Estes Flask <laughs> of the Strategy Guide. <laughs> so I've I've relegated everything to just one small shelf of Dark Souls merchandise, but. That's beside the point, but yeah, Dark Souls Two. I really, really liked the PvP aspects of it. I thought it was the most balanced and most approachable. Um, there wasn't anything too nebulous about okay, how do I invade someone? How do I, um, how do I meet up with someone or get summoned and that kind of thing? Um, I think it it did feel a little empty. Um, I, I know you've talked a lot about it should be called Dragon Souls because it's so much like Dragon's Dogma or something more open world oriented. Mm-hmm. I mean, Majul is basically like a town, right? Yeah. You've, you've got different like little shops and stuff rather than NPCs kind of scattered around um, the the world. It just it just seemed kind of empty and in, in, in some ways, and then in other ways. Like, how many items are in Dark Souls 2? There's got to be, like, 700 <laughs> items. There's 80 ways to heal yourself. It's like Dark Souls did a great job of consolidating the healing mechanics that Demon Souls uh, lacked. And then they said, oh, no, let's put 800 different ways to heal yourself in Dark Souls 2 because we missed that. They had all those gems and, and different things. But I really, I, I think the best part of Dark Souls 2 was the uh, the DLC uh, came out for it, the kind of elemental oriented, the snow, the poison, the the fire areas were were really great. Um, it's the only it's the only one I haven't gone back to. Uh, I don't know why. Um, I just I just haven't. Yeah, um, I, I I enjoyed it. Um, it's it's one of those things though where it's like uh, you have like a morning commute to work and then you get there and you don't really know how you got there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that was kind of how I beat that game. It's like, well, I know I enjoyed it. I know I was there playing it, but nothing really stood out as being super memorable. Obviously, Majula is a really, really cool place. Um, I wish, uh, if if I do play another playthrough, I wish I could get back in and uh, kind of learn more about the different character arcs and, and storylines there. But it just didn't quite grab me uh, in the same way. It's still a phenomenal game, though. Yeah, I think that's the I think that's the appeal. Like, other than the, some some of the mechanical weirdness to it the um npc character arts are some of the best across all, across the entire series yeah uh, just looking at you know lucatiel's arc and that game is so tragic and haunting that it's so you really bond with that character and by the end it's really really sad <laughs> not sure. good <laughs> um and, and but just you know even you know the the weird npc that you can break out of prison and he gives you assignments to you know kill everybody like even that is really interesting and cool like they did that back in demon souls um sure even though mechanically the way it plays out is kind of dumb like you don't actually have to go kill anybody if you don't want to but yeah that, that that's that's the best stuff in dark souls 2 are those weird little short stories that they wrote i think yeah they're almost like little um yeah, like short stories, exactly. And all of the characters in every game just seem so tragic and um, like kind of haunting in, in different ways, which is really neat. <laughs> yeah, the, the the big joke is like the best thing you could possibly do for these people is just never speak is to them. Kill them. <laughs> is kill them or never speak to them. Yeah, <laughs> which is a really <laughs> is a real brutal way to look at the world if you think about yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, did you play Dark Souls three at all? Did I you... did. Um, 
that I think I finished Dark Souls three faster in terms of not like game time played, but just in terms of like overall time spent with it than any game. Um, I think I beat it in like two or three weeks, which is pretty fast for um, me. I, I'm not someone that can just sit down and play something for like six or seven hours, but um, yeah, I really enjoyed the combat in the game. But again, kind of suffered from the same. Uh, if you like Dark Souls, then you'll love Dark Souls three. Just kind of like totally uh, like kind of made for fans, I guess, of the game. So it got, kind of got into itself a little bit. Um, that's it. I think there's really good boss fights in that game, like the the dancer, and um, it, it just seems like they missed out on a, a lot of different opportunities with how they how they did the the lord battles and um, kind of messed around with those different storylines and things. Did you have a good time mechanically playing it, or were you just disappointed by the story? I think I was mostly disappointed by the story and kind of the presentation of things. It, it, it seemed to kind of slog on a little bit, and um, there's some definitely frustrating aspects to it, like the whole uh, the nameless, is it the nameless king? Yep. The dragon rider dude. Yeah, mm-hmm. screw that guy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had recently just uh, played it again for the second time, and I got to that place, and I just stopped I know it's totally optional too, which I don't understand why, but um, yeah, I think it was the first game too where I didn't do a pure strength build for my first playthrough. I did a kind of like a thief build with the S-Stock, which turned out to be just a fantastic dexterity weapon in the game, um, kind of like the Balder Side Sword of Dark Souls 3. But um, mechanically, it was great. Uh, c- kind of a nice... Um, uh, middle ground between bloodborne and uh, first dark souls yeah it's um it plays so fast that it kind of messes with me a little bit like i just um like it's not quite as fast as bloodborne but it's a lot faster than dark souls one and it just confuses me like my 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 instincts are all over the place with that when every time i play it i don't know why but every time i play it i just i feel like i'm playing bloodborne so i start hammering that triangle button for estus when i get and it just does not work (laughs) (laughs) yeah i have a really hard time parrying in that game and um, to your point, just the, the timing of everything seems a little bit faster and almost off to a certain extent. I had that moment where I actually like went into my TV to make sure that I was on like the gamer mode or whatever in case I was <laughs> no, like no had a bunch of processing. Yeah, a bunch of input lag or something. And yeah, nope, nope, you're just bad <laughs> is what my TV <laughs> told me back. So <laughs> that's the problem with having a smart TV is because, you know, it could be a smart ass. So. Oh, yeah. No, and I, f- I feel like they just kind of overdid way too many things. It's they they put it in the oven way too long. It's some of the PvP stuff just got way too complicated. Like, why are there thirty five people just fighting each other in this in this beautiful like snowy land right now? Um, I, I I think I got less and less interested in PvP as as each game kind of came out. Did you play a lot of it starting way, way back in when? Yeah, so uh, Demon Souls PvP early on, at least, was crazy. Um, it was before there were like any kind of rules, I guess, or like chivalry. Um, it was just the most terrifying, like cat and mouse type of game. Um, I didn't really look up anything on like how to be good at it, and I was I was terrible. I think I probably um, only remember beating like one or two invaders, but just the most the dr- feeling of dread when you're like kind of far far in an area because there weren't bonfires or real really checkpoints in uh demon souls being kind of far 
and then to seeing so and so has invaded your world and like <laughs> oh shit oh, and you no. know it's someone you know it's someone that has just spent thousands of hours in the game running around with like a stupid dagger that does like 800 damage so i just I, I thought that was really cool kind of like a horror game aspect of it like you have like a like a jason Voorhees type uh persona coming in and trying to do everything he can do to kill you it's it's just really cool <laughs> it's um it's terrifying when it happens the first time yeah. and then you start getting <clears throat> used to it and then you become the terror like that's what happened to exactly. me so i was like i don't i don't ever want to experience this i want to do this all the time <laughs> oh yeah yeah and then uh with dark souls one i i got into it um pretty heavily uh for about i would say i was really good at dark souls pvp for like a week and a half like i had i had made my own character like just totally did all the min maxing with that uh um, like damage calculator you can look up i was in like a fight club for like a couple times to learn how to parry and stuff and then i made a character um using the painting guardian sword and uh the dark moon blade spell spell which if you can't parry someone they have that combination it's you can kill someone and just almost instantly if you roll up and get close enough to them. Um, so that was that was devastating and, and fun. Um, but then once once people kind of figured out the meta of of everything, it's just okay. This is too complex for me. Everyone's way too faster. They're doing the um, things where they switch weapons really fast and um, can they take the targeting off me. So they're just flying around and I have no idea what's going on. Like, I don't want to put in the time to get really good at this now. When, um, I got way, way into that stuff. And, uh, I was really surprised because I had gone back to dark souls one for, uh, my buddies, uh, Patty's soul level one run. Uh Um, so we were doing like, he wanted to do some PVP and like, of course, you know, the PS3 servers on DS one are pretty, you know, for soul level one, people are gone. Like there's anybody there. Sure. Um, I mean, I say that, but he actually did have a few other people, but he wanted to do like, you know, random dumb PVP videos. And, uh, I actually had a, like a lot of fun playing with him. And then when the remaster rolled around, I was very excited to go in and start and start messing around with it and have fun and having fun with it. And it just did not enjoy it as much as I used to. Like, I think, uh, sure. I, I don't know if just the, the seven years in between <laughs> just kind of affected me. And I'm like, ah, I'm done. This is, I'm a different person now. I don't want to do this or what, but yeah, it just didn't feel the same, even though the, I don't think it, there was any, I mean, there were some mechanical changes in the remaster, but like nothing that would really, you know, affect the enjoyment of the PVP stuff. I think I just, I just done all of that like years ago, so I just didn't want to go back. Yeah, that chapter's done. And I don't know about you, but I I feel like I have to be in kind of like a certain mindset to really get into these games, whether it's my like first or third playthrough or whatever. Um, It just some of it, something about it just kind of takes something out of you, I guess, a little bit. Like you kind of have to be um, a little masochistic to just really dive in for. Um, like I'll go, I'll go in phases where like a month or two I'll like play one of these games and do a playthrough. But if I'm not if I'm not thinking about it, then I'm totally either all in or not at all. Yeah, it's it's weird because it's it, it, for a long time as much as the marketing and you mentioned this earlier, like is like oh these games are super difficult. Like you get to a point where it becomes comfort food to, to like load it yep. up, and even if you're dying over and over again, it's. You know, you know exactly what to expect. The game hasn't changed. You're bringing something to it, but that that's really it. Uh, but at the same time that that's happening, like I need to be like, I have to either want that comfort food or I have to want the challenge of something new. Right. Like I, exactly. it's, I, I, it's not just a, 
like a toss on and just play like you know i don't like because you know like that nowadays like binding of isaac is that game or enter the guns in like those kind of roguelikes that you can iterate very quickly on like i don't sure. that's like my relaxed game as opposed to uh, like just i just even imagine like oh i gotta load up dark souls <laughs> like i think that just sounds intimidating yeah. right exactly it's like okay i gotta <clears throat> get over it's like getting out of bed in the morning it's like okay i gotta get over this initial hump i know the i know it's good in the end i know there's light at the end of the tunnel but i just have to do these first initial steps and, and get through the first couple slogs. Let's uh, let's jump over to Bloodborne because you mentioned yeah. that you you had you had purchased it, so you eventually went back to it, um, and that's such a, a huge change from the from the previous games that had come before it. Uh, how did you find those differences? Were you were you kind of into it, or were you a little put off by it? Uh, at first it took, so I recently played through it the second time. Um, I enjoyed it so much more in my second playthrough. I guess I didn't really know what to expect. Um, I didn't really get it and I, I really, really struggled with it, um, early on. And I think I, um, uh, had like a complete bottleneck at a the, the giant, uh, kind of alien squid thing. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yeah. Yep. Um, oh my gosh, I probably... Uh, died 30 to 40 times on that thing alone and just put it down for a couple months. This is after my medical episode and everything. And I remember uh, thinking about buying like a different game or something, but no, I have to, (laughs) I have to beat, I have to get my first playthrough done of Bloodborne before I pick anything else up. Um, Looking back on it, I think it's, uh, I think it's like the best Castlevania game since Symphony of the Night. Like I think they, uh, they should totally take on that IP. Um, I know you're going to ask me that question later on where I think it should go, but, um, yeah, uh, my, my main criticism though of Bloodborne, I think is, I feel like it's almost anchored down or held back a little bit by being part of the souls family. Um, I don't know if that makes sense. Like the combat, I feel like they could have done so much more. It's great as it is, but if they could have done some type of like combo, like extended combo sets or something with the way the weapons work or um, have more like trick options and customizations that aren't held back by the same like stamina constraints and uh, all these like statistical constraints because stats in Bloodborne just seemed kind of weird because you don't really have builds in uh, how you progress your character unless you do something with arcane or um, like blood tinge, but everything else is just kind of vanilla uh, in that aspect. Yeah. It's, I've always, I'd say always, I've long, um, championed the idea of like bloodborne just doesn't need stats. And yeah. you can <clears throat> like the, do you have the gem system right there? So like, if you want to do fire, like you should just be able to equip your, um, your, your weapon with a fire emblem, fire gem or, or whatever. And like being able to upgrade those, I think would just be, just replace your stats altogether and you could spec out, Hey, I'm a fire guy or I'm a magic guy or whatever. Uh, yeah. And I think there's a way to do that without doing like, like an Ubisoft skill tree where you're just inundated with all these dumb options that like make your own choice, even though it all leads to kind of the same, um, and stuff anyway, but it's yeah. a, it's a fantastic game. It, it it is, and I'm I'm curious since we're talking about this now. Like this week, I don't know how much you pay attention to like what's quote unquote gaming news or anything, but uh, this week a bunch of secure not uh, secure knowledge secure articles came out, and it's exactly this, right? They're like, oh yeah, this is how you progress your character in Sekiro. and like I see people 
on one side being like, I think this is a good departure, you know, this because it's going to have a literal skill tree. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and it's going to do not have stats and things like that. And then I see people on the other side being like, hey, what I like about these games is that like really detailed character customiza- customization. So I'm going to miss that. And I, it's really difficult for me to know which way it's going to go. Like I'd, I, f- I feel like I trust from software at this point. So, you know, I can't, yeah. I'm definitely, you know, that's, that's a day one purchase for me. Like I have a fucking dark souls podcast. Like I'm going to buy the game and play it, but a hundred percent. It's, 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 it's kind of, it's not concerning, but like, I'm just really curious how it's going to be implemented and how the fans are going to take it. Yeah, I'm sure there. Um, I know that's a huge draw for a lot of people. It is, it is to me in some aspects, but if, if the, progression system and um development is centered around you know how you move your character how combat works then i'm all i'm all on board with whatever they come up with because they know a hell of a lot more about it than i do so sure yeah how much uh how much like outside sources do you kind of consume like are you on youtube watching body videos are you listening to podcasts about dark souls like do you get into like the the online souls community at all yeah, um, I would say not as much when I first started playing these games as I do uh, kind of recently or in when it was kind of in the meat of all those games coming out, like the Bonfireside Chats. Um, I do follow some of the lore stuff, like the Vadi, that he's unbelievable and epic name, bro, when he was doing his kind of first playthroughs of Dark Souls. I think he had like the first, he was like the first English-speaking person putting up like YouTube content for the playthroughs on the Japanese version, which was really cool to see um i would always like beat an area and then look back and watch his kind of playthroughs of going through the depths after i did like oh man i missed all this stuff i'll go back and go for it but yeah i I really enjoy uh all the different uh content creators that put in so much time and effort into creating these amazing um kind of narratives about um, the process of how these games were constructed and uh, the different characters and and storylines within them, I think, is is really neat to consume. Have you gotten burned out on it at all? Um, I don't know if I've gotten burnt out on it. I'll, I'll um, like I said, I think it's so much of it is just being in the mindset of wanting to know more and and play more of these of these games. Um, so I'll just, you know, just ignore it for the time being. And like right now it's, we're like, what, two months away from Sekiro coming out. So I'm sure, um, more speculation will be, um, arising as we approach that date. So it'll be really cool to see. How much do you, uh, if a new souls game is coming out, how much do you try to turn off the, the, the hype machine? In other words, like, do you, I'm at the point now with Sekiro where I know I'm going to buy it. So I've watched like that first trailer, I watched yep. uh, some minutes of that the gameplay footage that came out last year, and then now I'm like, I don't need to see another thing. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't need to see anything else about that game. I kind of just want to go into it, not knowing anything. Exactly, I, I'm, I'm the same way. I'm okay. Saw the, saw the reveal trailer. It's going to be Bionic Commando Dark Souls. So sure, I'm all for that. <laughs> I guess that's a, that's. I don't know why I haven't heard anybody say that. Like, that's such a logical conclusion. I don't know why I haven't yeah. heard anybody say that at all. That's funny. You can't jump. You can't jump in any Dark Souls game. So why not have a uh, little uh, grappling hook? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty excited about grappling hooks in 2019 because that Doom game, the Doom sequel, is going to have grappling oh hooks. Sekiro is going to have a grappling hook. Like. More grappling hooks yeah. in video games, please. <laughs> Bring it on. Um, so you you, tr- you try to stay pretty much as blind as possible when going into this. Yeah, f- basically for these games only. Um, I, I I play other games, obviously. Um, 
but yeah, something about I think it's like the most like nostalgic way of playing video games to me is like as a 30 year old playing video games in 2019 it's it's like the most nostalgic way of like reminiscing about playing like an old like Mega Man or Final Fantasy game when I was like eight or nine years old on Super Nintendo or PlayStation on like a Saturday morning I think that's having just kind of discovering your own path and what to do and trying to figure it out is so much adds so much to the overall experience of what makes these games great you think that was part of the initial draw is the not necessarily the difficulty but like the the iteration and the then the sense of discovery that that because as a kid playing you know nintendo games no you didn't have the internet like nobody do anything like you either had nintendo power or some kid on the on the on the schoolyard that would lie to you about things and tell you like oh yeah you could totally get played luigi and whatever you know he would just straight up make stuff up was that part of the original attraction to to souls for you yeah absolutely there's so much like mystique and uh kind of unknowing uh, nature about um, these games and different mechanics. And some of it is purposeful on the developer's part. Another, it's just um, just trying to figure out um, how to get past something. Like, I, I still remember, um, I forget what the forums were called, um, but the what what does the pendant do days of the, the forums <laughs> where people would write, like, epic, like, 10,000-word diatribes on Here's what it does. If you stand there with a certain type of legging and drop a prism stone in front of the painting, then this character acts this way. But um, that was that was really cool to see. Kind of, uh, it all ended up being for not. Um, but I think I think that's for the best because um, there would have been no satisfying way to actually have that thing function that would have appeased. Um, so many people. God, those uh, in my in the in my heyday of like really just craving any single word written about Dark Souls that I could get my hands uh-huh. on, like finding those forums and finding I don't know if it was the same forums or not because I mean, I'm sure a lot of people did this, but you know, thousand page long threads of I have put on you know just people meticulously like okay I have Sif's ring. I have, you know, and this was before Artorias DLC came out, so they couldn't wear Artorias yeah. gear. But like, I have Sif's ring, and I'm gonna wear, I'm gonna do this, and I'm gonna try to do this gesture at this spot where I think the bonfire should be, and I, I'm like just trying to do anything to, and just, I mean, just not. And of course, it just all ends up being a troll, and it's fucking yeah. hilarious, man. I just, How funny that, is that? that? Just cracks me up so much. <laughs> It's um, it's kind of a bummer nowadays because I don't think that I think From Software has gotten so big that they can't get away with stuff like that. Like you know. I don't know how much attention you'd pay to Darrison in their VR release, but uh, I uh, picked it up last week, actually. Oh, okay, cool. Have you have you managed to mess around with it at all? I just made the stew. If I, yeah, have you played so it? Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just made the stew, and mm-hmm. uh, I'm terrified of, of what's <laughs> of what's going to happen. There is something so goddamn sinister about this place it's uh <laughs> little for, boarding school for you being a fairy and like these kids just being like almost <clears throat> memory representations it has a sense of dread like hardly any other video game has given yeah. me before it's it's oh really my gosh intense. yeah and why aren't there more kids why are there only five kids in this <laughs> and it's just such a huge place yeah um but there's there's some bloodborne references and uh, not even references but just like some like nods um, sure and and like th- they literally had to get miyazaki out to do like a that does not mean we're announcing bloodborne 2 we were not talking about bloodborne 2 and it's yeah like, that's a little bit of a ploy yeah 
and I just I feel like you know I feel like you can't do that pendant stuff nowadays because people get sure. so so upset about it on the internet and make so much of a, a big deal out of it. Yeah, they've kind of made their own monster. No, but I I I really like it so far. It's um it's like mist of in the Bloodborne Souls universe. It is. Um, yeah. Yeah, something about VR I think adds to it a little bit. It's not like a great mechanical game. Um um just like teleporting around and like putting your hands on different objects. It's like playing like an I spy book, I guess, but um it's really interesting how they've um introduced these these kids in this eerie eerie school so i'm i'm excited to to play more i I don't think it's supposed to be a long game too which it's it's not a big fan of for vr games yeah i I like i like short experiences in vr because i get i get motion sick very very easily Um, oh same here yeah even with a game like this where you're teleporting around uh when i take the 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 headset off i'm like like i have to chill for a little bit before i can really like go out (laughs) and be a person again so yeah it's like a time warp yeah yeah um I, there, the, you, you mentioned like the mechanical stuff like there is some neat stuff that they lean into the vr for like you'll eventually you're not quite there yet but eventually you'll find some like uh the collectible are these coins like these numbered coins i found two of them oh, okay and i put them in i put them in the little machine i found the three and the four and i put them in the little machine okay so yeah it didn't do anything yet it just spun numbers but yeah yeah, yeah that's, again that's... i'm terrified like what the, what the <laughs> hell's in that thing there's one of those <laughs> that you find um that I feel like you could only find with like a VR system, like the way that the, cause you kind of look around something and look down yeah. and look through something and it's like, Oh, there's something right there that really wouldn't work with just a normal, like first person game. I don't think. So, sure. Or it wouldn't, it wouldn't have been as affecting, I guess is what I'm yeah. saying. And th- that, that is really cool. It, it kind of forces you. Like I look, now I look underneath like all the chairs and stuff. Cause yeah. I crouch and <laughs> look behind the table. Have you, have you, I don't know what your, what your play space is, but have you knocked anything off yet? <laughs> like in real oh life? Oh my gosh. <laughs> so we've got an 11 month old daughter and oh, wow. um, like a 17 pound dog. So we've got like a little bit of a space in, uh, in our basement where, um, we were messing around and, um, I was doing it like the other day and my, my wife, like specifically put my daughter like near my face and her hand just grabbed my nose like out of, <laughs> out of the blue as I was playing this. And it was just terrifying. Like, nothing about that game is terrifying yet. I'm not far into it, but it's just so like uncanny, I guess is um, like a, a good word for it. Like yeah. there's just something that seems so off about it. And the character models are, uh, are so from software, like seeing, exactly. them, seeing them actually like, move their yeah. lips and everything like just looks just and be able to get like way up close to to their faces and just like really see them is it's insane yeah i really want uh i keep i keep saying this out loud in the hopes that me just saying it enough will bring it to the world but i I really want like a bloodborne model viewer for the psvr like yes like just let me load up like the the cleric beast and just walk around (laughs) like i just want to get up close and so much of that game is so dark not like in the tone but like the lighting i would love to see that with like more light or be able to look closely at things because there's something about ps4 games now there's so much it's like a developer's like bragging or something they just put so much crap and assets and items in these worlds that it's really hard for me to like focus sometimes on Mm -hmm. like okay that's an enemy or that's like an object or something but yeah to your point it'd be awesome just to kind of float around on a camera just to look into some of these enemies and some of those giant cathedrals that you walk through. 
when you don't have a million things trying to stab you to death. Yeah, I remember Gary talking about that that kind of visual clutter. Um, Gary from Bodfire Side Chat and just being like, yeah. "Who's lighting all these candles? <laughs> like, who is yeah, who exactly. is the person that's lighting five hundred candles <laughs> in this hallway? Like, this makes no sense whatsoever." And yeah, definitely, definitely, like can be uh, overwhelming sometimes. Sure. Well, you, you mentioned uh, that I was going to ask you what I wanted uh, to what what you wanted to see from from software in the future. Like, what now that we have all of these games out and they're doing like Darrison, they've got two unannounced projects. Uh, one of which is probably Armored Core. Uh, what, what, sure. are you, what are you kind of thinking that you want to see from them in the future? Man, I'm all for them just doing whatever uh, whatever works for them. I think they're now at the point of like a Hideo Kojima level type of uh, presence where I'm not a huge Metal Gear fan. I, the storylines in those games are just so strange to me. But I know fans of that series are just like, yeah, man, you do whatever you want to do and we'll support it, which... This Death Stranding game looks to be exactly as weird and um, bizarre as everyone could think of. So, without doing like a fetus walking simulator, um, I don't. I'm all for uh, Sekiro. Looks awesome. Uh, in my like dream, I think doing some type of like Darkest Dungeon um, tactical RPG and like the theme of the Souls universe, I think would be really cool. I don't know if you've played Darkest Dungeon at all, but um, similar kind of like Lovecraftian. Um, like eldritch horror type stuff is bloodborne but um having like um solaire or someone or sigmire as part of your group in that game would be so awesome to see <laughs> how the hollowing process would correspond to like the mental um stress capacity that uh those games have mechanically do you uh do you play darkest dungeon on pc by any chance uh, no, I play it on Vita. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, somebody did a pretty extensive Bloodborne mod for Darkest Dungeon. Oh, really? Yeah, you can find. Um, I never, I never wanted to look into it extremely deeply because I don't play on PC, so I, I can't play it. And so I was, <laughs> I, don't, I didn't want to like get excited about it. But uh, I know there's a bunch of character models and like frenzy status effects that people put in sure. and things like that. So yeah, there's. I mean, you could at least go watch a YouTube video of it if you wanted to, to go check it out. Yeah, I, I definitely will do that. Well, John, thank you extremely much for, for getting up early on a Saturday morning and podcasting with me for about an hour and sharing your stories with me. I really appreciate it. Um, yeah, no problem. Where can people find you on the internet should they choose to do so? Um, I'm not really a online presence. Um, you can add me on Steam, I guess, at like J-J-S-H-O-W-A-L. Um, but... One thing I would say is um, defibrillators at uh, workplaces are like a big thing um, for me um, in case someone that you work with or that you know is uh, having a heart episode at work. Um, so if you go to the Heart Association and you notice you don't have a defibrillator at your school or your workplace, um, there's all kinds of materials there um, to figure out how you can get something there because it definitely can save a lot of people's lives. Excellent. That's that's a that's maybe the nicest thing anybody said at the in one of these. <laughs> um, oh, I'll take that back. Somebody had a somebody had an obsession with chain, uh, saving pandas, like um, like red pandas. So red oh, pandas and hearts, I think, are, are really good things to to, to put in. Out I don't there. think there's many of those guys left. I think that's why they were so obsessed with saving them. <laughs> um, well, thank you very much. I'll, I'll include links to uh, both the American Heart Association as, as well as uh, your Steam in, in the show notes so people can go check those out. And I yeah. very much appreciate you guesting. Absolutely. 
As always, I've been your host, Jeremy Greer. You can find me on Twitter at JG Greer. You can find the podcast at don'tgiveupskeleton.com. That website has links to the previous episodes if you want to go back and listen to your favorites. It has links to the Patreon if you want to support the show directly. It has links to our merchandise page. Uh, I recently updated the the kind of logo skelly to be a bone wheel skelly. So I'm going to probably put that up on some merch pretty soon. If you want to wear a bone wheel skelly on your belly, then you can do that. Um, and I want to say thank you to everybody that guested on the show or uh, listened to the show in 2019. This isn't the first episode, excuse me, 2018. This isn't the first episode that I put out in 2019, but it's the first one that I've recorded. Don't Give Up Skeleton had a hell of a year and it was extremely successful. And I just, I just want to say thank you to everybody that's been a part of the show, whether you're just listening, whether you're guesting or uh, whether you're actively helping me out like my um, my special early listener and you know who you are when I say that. Uh, so thank you to everybody. Uh, we'll be back next week with another great guest. And until then, remember, don't give up, Skeleton. And we're good. Cool. You, uh, you didn't glitch out on us. Yeah, like